Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. And after two weeks off, we're back on the things we say. You're Sheldon. I am Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And I just realized that in our opening uh, segment there, the little ditty that we say, yeah. I say, this is a topical podcast, and it was more of a, uh, <laughs> than a, a topical podcast. I'm okay, I'm okay with I that, I kind of went, uh, no, it was, it was in good. the reading of it. Was it was good. It was good. My wife always complains about our intro music because she says, it's so slow. I didn't think you were going to do something that slow. But it, it doesn't, it's not slow. It drives. It's, it's got some... Ha, to it. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of that intro, I'm not going to lie. Nate did it all by himself. I did. He came down here, he played with his instruments, and this is what we got. And that was what we got. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, last week uh, my son had the stomach bug, and Sheldon's house had just recently gotten over it, and so we did not want to pass that around again. I was not going to so chance it. We just decided we weren't going to do anything, and uh, Sheldon did his uh, little Insta story uh, on... Uh, on uh, did you know? He gave yeah. his did you know? And uh, so, yeah. So that was what we did and why we did it. Uh, but now it is my turn to do Real did you quick, know? Real quick, I just had that weird feeling. Like Uh-oh. you feel naked without your phone. Did you ever you ever get that feeling? Where you yes. like feel your pockets? I, I actually and just had the same thing pockets? because my phone is like, upstairs charging. And I was looking for it because I was like, oh, I'm going to look this up to make sure I get this right. But I know it's right. And that, so... That feeling is just the it's oddest. weird, and and then I get mad because I feel that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like yeah. I should not feel naked without my phone. I should be able to leave the house, yeah. wander around without yeah. my phone, and be fine. Yeah. I've contemplated, and we can get to your did you know? No, that's Sorry. fine. That's fine. I've contemplated like going without my phone for periods of time. Yeah. As a regular thing, just so it's not built into yes. me like that. Yes. I can't quite do it. It's like my yeah. adult pacifier. It only it only happens to me when I don't mean to leave my phone somewhere. If I make a conscious decision, like I'm going to set my phone down and walk away, I'm fine. But when I forget and I'm like, oh, where is it? What did I do with it? Where did I lose it? it it's sad, but it's true. It's a Man. real thing. <coughs> yeah. So I'm that just was, becoming a person I don't like. I know. I know. What are we going to do about it? Anyway. But today, my did you know, did you know that the United States has had one president that was unelected. I feel like I know this. Okay. Because I love weird election turmoil yes. in the history. Yes. One that was not elected and not by assassination. So Right. Like, was not elected to any position, but ended up being the president of the United States. Go ahead and tell everybody so I don't expose my ignorance. President Ford was never elected. And here's how it worked. During Ford. Nixon's... Yeah. Okay. During Nixon's uh, first term as president, Spiro... Is it Spiro? Agnew, whoever it was. Yes. Agnew was his mm-hmm. vice president. Yeah. Well, he got tangled up in the Watergate scandal before Nixon did. And after their second election, 
So Nixon and Agnew got elected to a second term, president and vice president. He resigned, gotcha. and he was replaced with Ford. How do you replace the vice president? The the president just chooses him, just, just selects choose him. It, can choose anyone in America. Can select him or her, yes. Well, not anyone in America. I mean, they, they, they have some... I mean, How? Ford obviously had some political background well, yeah, previous but to that. Say Nixon wanted to just select any random person in America as vice president. I mean, I'm sure he could. I'm sure there's some safeguards, but yeah, essentially, I mean, they select a running mate purely on their own whim. Yeah, I mean, so it's the exact same thing. You're just selecting, and so then eventually, of course, Nixon got tangled up in the Watergate scandal as well, and instead of being impeached, he chose to resign, and Ford ascended to the presidency. And so he became mm-hmm. our only president who was literally not elected. He wasn't elected as vice president. He wasn't elected as president, but he served uh, the majority of a presidential term, if I remember correctly. And then did he run again? I don't remember if he did, but he got either way, he got pummeled by Carter because he was still, gotcha. even though he had no association. And that was the thing. Nixon grabbed him because he had, he had absolutely no association with anything that was going on with Watergate. And so it was seen as a, like a purge in a sense, but then he ended up being president. Uh, so yeah, we have had one United States president who was not elected to the vice presidency or the presidency and yet became the president of the United States. Wasn't the first practice uh, that whoever won the election would be president and whoever lost was vice, the president. vice president? Yes. So we would have President Trump and Vice President Clinton. Which that would I be. think I think would be would have been very good. <laughs> I don't think we would be in the partisan place we are now. Had that been the case, we would have had. We would have more assassinations. I feel like it would lead to. It's possible. It's possible. Like if partisan politics got increasingly but again, I, ugly. I, but I, th- I think even that though, it would have, it would have changed that dynamic. I mean, yeah, I think it would. But yeah, it was, it was whoever came in first and second was president and vice president. Because yeah. of course, back then there were party loose, party affiliations, uh, affiliations were much more loose. Yeah. So, but yeah. But we didn't have people. Killing each other in duels. Right. Right. Well, today. Not today, no. Sometimes I think that might be a better thing than some of the character assassination <laughs> that goes on. Just let two people shoot at each other or poke at each other with swords and be done with it. Hamilton, was, was it Hamilton that yeah, was Hamilton in a lot of duels? Like, he was in a lot before he got shot. Yeah. That's what I couldn't figure out is the number of duels that he yeah. was in. Or it was speaks well forward. of him, doesn't it? Sorry, we're really off topic. Yeah, we're topic. off topic, All but right. that's okay. That's okay. What is our topic tonight, Shelby? Our topic tonight is silly, silly arguments that Christians make. Mm. And <laughs> I was just <laughs> reminded of this again. We were having a debate in our office about uh, whether or not you would watch any illegally downloaded TV shows mm. or... Um, I was bringing up all of my Niners games are out of market. I'm not paying for NFL Sunday ticket or whatever really rich people do (laughs) (laughs) to watch out of market football games. Rich people or irresponsible people. (laughs) Something like that. If if I had, you know, $600 of loose change to do that with, I would do it. Uh, But I don't, so it's unobtainable. But... You just go wherever you go, and you click on a link, and there, there's the game on my computer screen, and yes, I watch it. With weird know? commercials. And somebody was saying, oh, you know, I would feel bad doing that. And then there's always somebody that makes the argument, well, do you drive over the speed limit? Here we go. Yes. Here yes. we go. Yes, yes. There's always somebody. And I'm not, I'm not 
directing this at a person because I I love the person who said this. Yeah. Like, generally great. Yeah, totally. Great person. But <laughs> you say this and it's like, okay, all right. So I wanted to kind of construct what's going on here when this happens. And this, this happens in a lot of uh, Christian moralisms where yeah. we get into like questions of morality mm -hmm. and you're having something that's kind of in a gray area and somebody wants to jump it out to its logical conclusion. They go for the speed limit. <laughs> Real quick off the top of your head, is there anything else that people go to like Christian go-tos as bad arguments? Um, the speed limit is definitely one. Yeah, speed limit is definitely one. Uh, it 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 all seems to to be around the idea of anything that's that's illegal in in the United States, yes. particularly, and that's always okay. been funny to me because I'm like, they say, well, yeah. it's not legal to do this, right? In and the so United therefore, States. it's sinful. But then I'm yep. like, okay, so does that mean if you go to Amsterdam where this thing is legal, uh -huh. that it's that it's not sinful for that person to yes. do just because the 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 government says it's okay, or or whatever? So I can't think of any specifics, but I can definitely like I'm thinking generalizations that I've heard just those kind of arguments made or, or things passed off as law in Christianity where it's like <laughs> this is not a rule. Yes. So like. You must wear your Sunday best. Right. This one bugs me. Oh, I like, saw a Every whole... time I encounter it, I want to dress in my pajamas or worse. Like, yeah. if I have something worse, yeah. I want to wear that. I... Because the only mandate, the only mandate in Scripture regarding what you wear to a gathering, a New Testament gathering of believers, is that you are not allowed to give preferential treatment to anyone based on what they wear. Right. That's it. Right. They, and and they, they actually, the other mandate that's given is that you're not to get into gaudy adornments. Right. And stuff like that. Like, you're supposed to let your natural beauty shine right, out. Right, right, right. You know, and, and I get that. But those are, those are the biblical mandates. What is this? You have to wear your Sunday best. And oh, yeah. it's always used to judge somebody that looks like they just came from the outside world into your church. And I'm like, uh, yeah, the church is a hospital right, where sick where people become be. well. Right. And uh, so we should be um, yeah. knowing that we're doing the right thing if it's, we've got people from the yeah. outside in. That's, it's that's like what standing, we want to It's do. like standing in an ER and complaining that people are bleeding. Like it, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it is. It well, is her like skirt was too occurrence. short, yeah. or he wore his baseball cap all the way through church. Yeah, he doesn't know the rules of your social club. Get right. over it. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about. So so again, essentially, I'm, uh, that's what we're gonna go to here. Like law, I, law versus <clears throat> sin, or sin versus law. Is yeah, that what and and I wanna I wanted to kind of break down how we get into these these bad arguments as Christians. And it it might sound stupid if you're not a Christian. Like you guys really get all twisted up over the speed limit. Yes. Yeah, it yes. does happen with some because, people. Because because in Protestantism especially, and I found this with my Catholic buddies. Uh, that, that I've been following lately, some of them have opened my eyes to this, that in Catholicism, they're better about letting themselves off the hook. Yeah. Because the process of atonement is something that makes sense to them. Yeah. And you are regularly atoned for through a specific process. You feel good. You continue on. And you, uh, it's easier to let yourself off the hook. Right. In Protestantism, we have like 
this overwhelming guilt that yeah. seems to follow you everywhere. Yeah. And there, there is grace to be accessed and be free from that. And there are people that walk victoriously and, and have figured some of this out. But then some of us just feel like we're always breaking some, some, some sort law. of rule some or law. Some law. And yeah, we want to totally. make sure that we're doing it right so we're not offending God or we're somehow... And it gets all twisted up into whether you can lose your salvation right. or whether you're in good standing with the church, right. which is a great term. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, to me, I feel like we could break down so much of our guilt if we could start with what are the rules that are worth following? Yeah. What are, what are the laws that as Christians were okay to break and what are the ones that were not? So like, okay, do I have to, in order to be a good Christian, always obey the speed limit, no matter what, if I go over, am I sinning? Are you asking me this question? You want sure, me to answer this? Sure, let's go for it. The age-old question. We're going to the stupid question to yeah. show how illogical it is and why people get here. Why, why do people no. go right there? No. Unless the Holy Spirit has convicted you about speeding, mm-hmm. no. I do not believe that it is sin to exceed the speed limit. There are consequences to exceeding the speed sure. limit if you get caught. But do I believe it is sinful uh, inherently in and of itself? No. My, my answer is generally, what is the condition of your heart? Yeah. Because, okay, I could be speeding out of rebellion like, haha, my dad always told me to drive the speed limit and I'm kind of sticking it to him yeah. by driving over the speed limit. Or I kind of hate cops, so I'm just going to, you know, this is my way of sticking it to him. Uh, that's rebelliousness. Right. And that's going on in your heart right now. Right. Or am I just keeping with the flow of traffic? Right. That's me right here, buddy. Right. Everybody doing 75 in a 70. I'm keeping up. I'm kind of going along to get along. Yeah. This is and and understanding that culturally in the letter of the law and the practice of the law. Here's a good example. All right. Let's do this. In Ohio, open carry is legal. Yes. In Alaska, open carry is also legal. Okay. And, but the general expectation of seeing people walking around with guns, culturally, totally different. Yeah. If I see somebody walking around with, it, with an AR slung across their back in Ohio, I'm like, whoa, that dude's a little weird. Yeah. In Alaska, everybody's like, hey. Everybody has an AR at least. today? You know? Every, everybody has an AR, and they're like, why? if someone has an AR, they're like, why are you so poorly armed? You need a bigger gun than that. Yes. And, and so it's the same thing with the speed limit. It's not, it's like, okay, yes, you could drive the speed limit everywhere, but that's not the cultural expectation. It's not the expectation even of the state who made the rule. They're, they're not, it's not policed in such a way that they expect everyone to go one mile it's, per hour over. I would I would make the argument that, and of course there are some who would get into the nefarious arguments about, uh, you know, it being used as a as a additional method of taxation and things like that. Where oh, it I get totally a little, believe that yeah. speeding is backdoor taxation. Yeah, and I I'm, I I'm on that. Board. I can kind of agree with that too. However, um, I think more than anything else, it's just it's more about awareness. Like. Be yeah. aware of how fast you're going. Yes. That's what a speed limit and, is for. And on this road, it's okay to drive faster than on this road. Right. And it, by this much. It's it's a good reference point. And I get it. I, I, I certainly don't... 
my wife got pulled over for, oh no, that wasn't speeding. That was something else. <laughs> but if it was speeding, I would totally understand. I get it. I understand if you're going over, you pay the fine. Right. It is what it is. Right. But it's not like I feel like I have to go home and repent. Right. Like, that's a civil law that I broke. I didn't break a law of the Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And again, there's no, there's literally no window for that because... People have trouble separating this out. I think you touched on it. Here's, here's my other question when it comes to, okay, you're telling me I sinned when I broke a civil law that's not even that big of a deal. Mm. The penalty for breaking this civil law is that I pay a fine. Right. Then in the eyes of the state, I'm good. Yeah. Right? You are no We're longer good. guilty I'm of justified. whatever that was. They're cool. I'm right. cool. You know, I stand in a place of totally being justified. All right? We're all good. Is it legal to sleep with your neighbor's wife? Yes. You're two consenting adults? You're allowed. Right. In the in eyes a, of the law. In America, you're allowed. Yeah. You can both be married, and you would be allowed. Should you? In no. the eyes of God? No. No. It's no, strictly forbidden. Not. You're, not allowed, you're not allowed to covet your neighbor's wife. Not even covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah, let alone act. Let alone act on it. That's, that's definitely a sin. It would be out of bounds, but totally legal. Totally in legal. In the eyes of the law. Yes, in the so, eyes of law. So there is, as Christians, what I'm, what I'm saying is that whether or not I speed or whether or not my relation to civil law has little bearing on what I do as far as God's law. God's law is at the top, okay. and that is things where he has specifically said, these are things that are good for you. These are things that are not good for you. These will destroy you. If you allow it to persist in your heart, these, you know. So, so why do you think that we came to a place or have come to a place of equating civil law with the law of God? Why, why is that? Why is that a thing? Like, when did that become? Okay. And this goes back to people that think that they can legislate morality, that if you make something illegal, people will stop doing it. Yeah. And so, no, if you make, peop- if you make something illegal, you're just going to have to put people in jail for that or fine them for that. Right. It's not that people are going to stop doing it. It's, it gives a process for judgment, punishment, and prosecution. Yeah. Or bu- judgment, prosecution, and punish- punishment versus actually preventing whatever the thing is. The only thing the state has on its side is punishment mechanisms. Right. And, and that's, that's where people get the idea that, okay, if it's legal, it's okay. And if it's not, I, I somehow evade punishment. Right. It goes back to punishment. Right. And then they translate the same thing to God where they don't want to be punished. Right. So, and so they try to... So in order to keep from being punished, I have to be on the right side of all these laws. Right. And all of the laws. So we have to obey all the federal laws. We have to obey all the state laws. We have to obey the local laws. We have to obey civil laws. We have to obey then God's laws, whatever we interpret those to be. We have to obey our church's unwritten rules or those things get called sin. Right. And then you're down to your particular denominations, interpretation of scripture, and then whatever falls out of bounds of that is sin. Right. It, it gets crazy. Yeah. So we certainly cannot run around trying to keep all of these laws. Right. Because, okay, 
there's a Twitter account called a a felony a day or something like this that I okay. follow, where they they basically or not a felony, it's not felony, but uh, they basically have the federal code, the all all the federal laws. It's like a federal crime. It's called crime a day. That's okay, what it is, okay. crime a day, and it takes all the federal laws and just puts out different weird things that are crimes in the federal code. Yeah. Randomly, people without knowing it are breaking federal law all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. It is so huge and so massive, you can't even begin to understand what all is and is not a federal law. It's just down to how it's enforced. Right. Same thing with state laws. The way you keep your dog, the way you walk your dog, <laughs> is a matter of state and local law. That's terrifying. I know. It's upsetting. <laughs> so this is this is why I'm a libertarian. But yes, absolutely. But it, but but what I'm looking at is I guess at what point did this creep into the church as being a thing, as as being such a cuz it is. I mean, I I I mean, obviously there are scriptures about, you know, obeying the law of the land, submitting to the authority of the land and different things like that. But there is context to that statement as well. It's not just a blanket, do whatever you're told wherever you are. Um, and yet they were throwing Christians in jail left right. and right for, quote-unquote, breaking different right. laws. Right. So so how did it get... I guess I'm, I don't even need to ask the question. I'll, I'll throw out what I think. Go how ahead. about that? Yeah. And I actually just had a conversation about how so much of society's current excesses that we see are the floodgates that were opened following the collapse of the moral majority movement of the 80s and 90s. And for those of you who don't know, basically that was this idea that that the, the church and politics could align in such a way that we could legislate morality Legislate biblical principle. Well, all of that, it had swung twice. If you go back to, like, the end of World War II. Yeah. And then, like, where, where things were at that point, and then we swung through the 60s and 70s and lots of sexual, sexual experimentation, cultural exploration, all kinds of yeah. things. All, the floodgates were beginning to open up, and the backlash to a lot of things that were being legalized and changed and... The cultural shift that was happening in the 60s and 70s was the 80s moral majority right, type right. thing. So it had swung that way, and then it's swinging back. Right. It, it, there Harder. are ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. They became more extreme and more <clears throat> pronounced. But I think that's where you see people getting tangled up in this idea of the law of the land equating to the law of God or sin, as it were. Is that the idea? If you, if the idea for you is that you legislate morality and that's how it works, and you force people to do the thing that you want them to do or that you think is the right thing to do, then all of a sudden, all of those things become canon and become holy in some way because you have given you've given the law and the letter of the law in a political sense a power that it was never really meant to have. Yeah. Um, so I, I, in my opinion, that's really probably where that whole thing really got started, at least as we currently see it. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like you're seeing a real fading away from that, both in the church and in politics, uh, ex- except now it's coming from 
a more progressive leftist stance in terms well, the, of trying think, to legislate a certain morality? Is kind of at a crisis to to say what they stand for again. Yeah, because the church used to be able to define sin and and make statements about what was sinful and what was not. Right. And then we took to the public square to do that. Right. Rather than within the walls of the church and defining sin for those who were in the church. Right. See, th- this is where I think we got twisted up, is that we felt like we could, th- when I say we, like the church, the church could go outside its walls and tell everyone else how they're sinning. Right. Really, who we're defining sin for is is within the walls of the church and in the context of love. Right. So if you haven't known the love of Christ and you don't want, you don't care for him at all, you don't, you don't care about God or your relationship with God, what does it matter if I tell you you're sinning? Right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Now, as I become aware of my sin, but only in context of me wanting to get close to God. Right. As I begin to want to draw close to him, then I'm like, oh, there's a lot of sin in my way. Right. Be- that separates me and I need to get, I need to find a way of dealing with this because I can't approach God with it, you know, and I don't know. I think, I think we, I think the church thought that our approach to the world is to tell them where they're sinning and where they're messing up yeah. instead of, instead of challenging in, instead of deci- properly discipling right. Christians. Asking the wrong question. Instead yeah. of saying, what are they doing wrong? Saying, what's the element that's missing from their life? And yeah. you usually you start with Jesus and then go from there. The earliest church would often see the needs of their community, whether that was sickness or famine or um, you know, not having a home or something like that, and they would meet the physical and emotional needs of the community yeah. around them first. Right. And, and that was... It, it's compassionate outreach, and then the people are going to want to know the God you serve, right? Without a and, doubt, and what it takes to approach Him. You yeah. know, it's that that whole message got twisted up, and then we became about about defining sin for everyone, right? And now, since our culture has said no, okay, gay marriage is legal now, okay. And abortion is legal now. And these types of things are all legal now. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does does that change? Is that why there's such a fight for the majority of the church over these issues? Is that they believe that that is removing them as sins in a society that does already didn't view them as sinful or didn't care yeah, about them being sinful? I don't think our society sinful. ever, as a whole, was like, okay, these are... These are all sins. Like right. people participate in them however they wanted to do it. Right. I, I think it does go back to prohibition. You look at prohibition was the same way. Yeah. Practice of no one changed. Right. Other than it just went underground. Yeah. No one really changed their practice except people that were really dedicated to the cause. Right. Which they, they were already, their, but they didn't even change their practice. They were already there. Yeah. So it didn't change anything for them. It, it didn't win hearts and minds. Right. Right. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. So, so other than the speed thing, like what are some ridiculous things that, that you've heard either based on civil law or based on Old Testament law that people try to pull out? And uses a stick to beat somebody with. Okay. Um, no, Christians shouldn't have tattoos. Yes. 
great. Yeah. Thank you for going there. Yeah. Because it's mentioned so many times in the Bible, you have a great standing for what you're trying to beat me over the head with right, right now. Right. It says you should not make marks on your body for the dead. Yeah. And that's in the Old Testament law right after you should let your, your beard, the edges of your beard untrimmed. Yes. Yes. And, and again... If you're good with the one thing, I'm fine with you applying the other. Right. I, I think that's okay. Right. But if your tr- beard is trimmed, yeah. I don't want to hear from you about me making a tattoo on yeah. my body. I'll never forget <laughs> relating to that. There was, and I probably mentioned this before, and it was a you know, really sweet man uh, who's since passed away. You know, a great guy. But I remember him. We were standing with a group of friends, and he was talking to us. And it was a great conversation. Like, it was just very, you know, casual, whatever. And one of these guys had, a, like, kind of a sleeve tattoo. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, just in the middle of his conversation, he just pointed and said, hey, you know, the Bible says not to do that, right? And I just thought to myself, what did anybody just gain by what just happened here? Yes. Nobody nobody won. And the kid wasn't offended. Like, he didn't care. He was just kind of, oh, and just kind of brushed it off, whatever. And he, he didn't make a big stink out of it. But it's like, <laughs> you just had to say that. And, and, and do you feel better? Does anyone feel better for that? And, and did we actually... As you said, change hearts and minds, capture hearts and minds yes. with that, with that word yeah. choice. Did any? Did That's anybody win? That's a George win? W. Bush thing, I think. Yeah. winning hearts and minds. Yeah, but but nobody nobody won in that, and yeah. and nothing was going to be accomplished by that. And so I I did. I want to look at that person and be like, why why was that necessary? <laughs> what did you what what compelled you to need to say that to him in that moment? Yeah, these people would be shocked. To know that Jesus is coming back with a tattoo. On his thigh, no less. On his thigh. It yes. says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's written on his thigh. Yeah. And somebody tried to argue with that, that with me one day. And they're like, yeah, but what does the King James say? And I'm like, uh, all translations. I pulled up the yeah. King James. I'm like, all translations are pretty clear yes. with the written on his written thigh. On it's his like thigh. a specific thing. That's not that's not really an image, <laughs> image thing that you can... Uh, we misunderstood this, and yeah. it actually just means he's actually in yeah, Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's when all the translations agree. Yep. Then it is actually saying that thing, whatever it may That's be. That's what it says. That's now, what it how says. you interpret Revelation? Totally up to you. I'm not saying you all have to have tattoos, but totally. Maybe don't throw people out of your churches. No, no. And, and that's that's always been my thing with what is sin and what is not. Okay, uh, I have a pretty good test for that. If Jesus did it, it's not sinful. Yes. Because we know he didn't sin. Didn't sin. And if, if he did it, I'm not going to get too twisted up about it. That's right. why, you know, oh, whoops, one time I drank this cough syrup and it had alcohol in it. Yeah. Am I sinning? No, sir, you are not. Right. Because we know for a fact that Jesus once or several times tasted alcohol and, in fact, it was called a drunkard by yes. the Pharisees, well, and, which he was not. Well, and that's where you get into the interestingness of sin in general, because there are things that can be sin for you and not for somebody else. Sure. And again, that is all about relationship and connection to the Holy Spirit, and there's so much more to that than just the letter of the law. Um, and so, do I think it is sinful for everyone to drink? No. But do I think it is sinful for some people to drink at all? Yes. Yes. Because yeah. they have had some kind of experience, connection with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've had some kind of 
history, you know, with, with alcohol that... Or even if the Lord has warned you, and there's many examples in the Old Testament where the Lord warns somebody, do yeah, not go that way. Totally. And, and they, they go that way anyway. and they die. Get eaten and it's by like, a lion or something. Yeah, yeah, don't go down this way. And the prophet continues down that way and gets eaten by a lion. Right. That's there to teach us if the Holy Spirit tells you, you do listen. not go this yeah. way, yeah. don't do it. And Proverbs is full of that. If if you know a particular woman is on a particular street and she's giving you problems, yeah, don't go down there exactly. at night. It's uh, you just don't do that. Yeah, and so is it is it sinful to walk down this particular street? No, no. but if the Lord has told you don't walk down that street, right? Uh, hello, why well, are you here? And, and that's that's what I think has become so dangerous is this this idea in the church that. The Lord has convicted me about a thing, and now I must therefore declare it to everyone. Ha, ah, there we go. And 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 make everyone and and honestly, you want to know That's what That's what I think creates the silly arguments. Yes. But I think what it comes from the at its base, I think it comes down to it will be far easier for me to not sin in this way if nobody else does it either. Yep. I think that is primarily where that mentality comes from. And I'm not saying for everybody. I'm not saying for every situation. But I do I think... Can't, I can't see my buddy yeah. enjoying something that I can't have. Right. And I think that's where it really comes through uh, as far as society goes, too. Because it's like, if, if nobody can do this in society, then I don't have to deal with this thing. I don't have to deal with this struggle. I don't have to face this reality. I don't have to do any of that. Yeah. I can just... It's just not going to exist anymore. <laughs> Which is incredible uh, when you really that's, get down to it. But I really think that is... That's one thing that I've heard Gavin McGinnis say one time is that he, he's like, I'm not a Muslim, but I get why they want all the women to wear burqas. He's like, I want all the women to wear burqas that are not my wife to cure the little hamster in my head that's, that's on right. this bike. That's he's right. always riding this bike like, oh, uh, uh, she looks pretty hot. She looks really hot. He's right. just like, it's just a matter of like, okay, dude, like I'll get to you later. Right. You have your time and your place, but you right. know. And you that's the thing <laughs> is, is that, that idea in that society, we it's not about modesty. No. It's about it's about it's about removing removing temptation yeah. and not in the good way. But you you've got to that's part of like putting off the childish things and becoming a man and reining in your urges and emotions right. and desires. Self-control is a big and, deal in Christianity. Yeah. And people don't realize that self-control is a gift of the Spirit. This is not something that right. you just conjure up and suddenly you're self-controlled. Right. No, this is something that God gives you. Right. Like, that's that's a, that's the Spirit at work and being alive in you. Right. Like, you can now have further depths of freedom because you are self-controlled in this way now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again... I. Getting into the legalness of anything, you know, things things in terms of law, I don't do them from the motivation of, well, that's illegal, and so therefore I shouldn't do it. I do it from the motivation of, again, that idea of what is sinful and what is not, or what is, what is God-honoring yeah. and what is not. I guess that's where I feel weird, is that the first question in my mind is never, is it legal or is it not? Yeah. Because that's not my governing for anything. Right. I don't know that... I don't know that I run around my life thinking about what is legal and what is not unless I'd be confronted with it in some way. Yeah. Where, like, all of a sudden a cop shows up in my house and I'll, I'll, then I'm running through a list of, what have I done that's remotely <laughs> illegal? Why because is this I, person here? I live my life by a set of values and... That is not 
based on whether something is legal or not. I don't, right. it doesn't, it's not something that crosses my mind, you know? Right. I don't know if that's bad or not, but I, I always think that the people that run around th- talking about law and whether this is legal and that is legal, I'm like, what are you trying to get away with? Yeah. What is it that you are after that you're so concerned about what is right up to the letter of what is legal and what is not? Yeah. I always think those people are trying to get away with something. Yeah, without a <laughs> doubt. Yeah. They want to know the parameters so that they can get close. I, I think it's much better to live your life by a set of values and listening to what God has to say to you on a particular thing, because it, there's no way that you can possibly obey all the laws that exist. Okay. Here's one for you then. And I, I like your point earlier about what is legal in other places then yeah. and how that affects us. We can go there, but so, go ahead. So let me ask you this then. Uh-huh. Uh, since we're talking about this, I'll open this can of worms. If, who is the law for? If, if Well, the Bible tells us that law is for lawbreakers. Right. And so getting into that, getting into the depths of what that really means and what that really looks like, what, uh, what does that mean in terms of society? What does that mean in terms of a secular society as, as uh, the United States is? What are you saying? So, okay. <clears throat> For a Christian, as we've said, morals should not be dictated by the law of the land. No, I think you're you're held to a high it's higher, a, higher, a higher standard. It's a higher standard, a higher standard. but it's and that's that's bothers me when people say I'm held to a higher standard than the law of the land. So, I should meet all of their laws plus. And I'm like, "No, no, that's no." That's not the same thing. It's a different, yeah. It's a different, it's like there's a, a parallel, like I'm on a different track. Yeah. I'm not on their track of civil or law right, of the land. Right, right. Because again, you get into things like that with like, you're looking at Nazi Germany, law that was very unjust and that required betrayal of, of innocence and betrayal of, you know, in genocide, I mean, straight up, you know, and, and so... Well, that was, that was easy for, I mean, when I was growing up, Mennonite, we talked about this in the pacifism thing, the law of the land, when there was a draft, is that you sign up. Right. And right. there were many, there were many Christians who stood up and said, um, the way I read my Bible, it would be wrong for me to right. kill someone. Right. I'm very convicted about that. And I just, I could not pull the trigger and I would not. Yeah. Although you could have joined the medical corps. Okay. <laughs> no, totally. If there was a draft, I'll come talk to you about right, it. Totally. totally. Not a question for me right well, They now. don't want us anymore. We're too old. We won't we don't get drafted anymore. Yeah. We've passed that age. Yeah. We've long passed that yeah. age, actually. That is way in the rearview mirror. Uh, and but now you, I'm Nazarene, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway. there you go. No, there you go. Kidding. It doesn't matter Kill in away. the same way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> in the name of the state, because the state is good. Oh <laughs> and their goodness. war is just, because it was we were sent there by a Democrat. Oh, wait, a Republican. Or whatever oh, it was. Somehow the war is just. Dick Cheney's in charge. Go. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This totally relates though. No, it does. It does. It does because, completely. Because the denomination I was raised in is like, no war ever for any reason. And the Nazarene denomination is like, yeah, sign up for any war. You're good to go. Yeah. Well, except I don't know not, if it, not on the other yeah. side. I don't know if it's that extreme, 
don't know. We have flags in all our churches. Pretty much say, could say the Pledge of Allegiance and be just fine. Well, you know. <laughs> but that's not, a de- that's not a denominational mandate by any means. That's no, just a thing that happens. Cause I don't know. It, 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 and, you know. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not I, knocking denominations no, that are more closely tied with the government. I, I understand it. what you're saying, though. I understand it, what you're it saying. Is, it is just, it was a weird cultural difference no, for no me doubt, coming No doubt. A big shift between those two things. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm trying to figure out how to really communicate what I'm trying to say here, though, in terms of the law. And you talked about, you know, the law being, being for lawbreakers, but... What what purpose does the law serve in in society? If if we're looking at that and we're saying okay, especially in the United States, where the majority of our law you can trace directly back to uh, Judeo Christian values. There's there's a there's a the basic. I'm talking. I'm not talking like yeah. what it has expanded to. The initial basic elements of what American law was set up with kind of trace basically trace back to I that think law is there to create equitable interaction by removing by removing from our general practice interaction that is not good so like you should have a place to go with murderers you know yeah there's got to be a way of separating that harmful interaction from our normal interaction and but, and but like even that, people that would swindle somebody there's got to be something coming their way. Yeah. You know? But but even that, not all murder is equal. No, I get that. Which, is, France, which is weird. Crimes, crimes of passion are treated far differently than pre- premeditated right. murder. Well, and even in the United States, they're prosecuted very differently. And, of course, I someone... Mean, you can basically skate in France for a crime right, of passion. Right. Well, they are French, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for my any French listeners out there. I apologize for that. We don't have very many. Probably not. I hope not. Well, I don't hope not because they're French. I hope not because I just said that. <laughs> you hope not now. Yeah, I hope not now. But um, so even that to to go with a, a law as simple as you know, murderers shall have this done to them or shall be removed from society. It's like, well, okay, if you have a crime of passion or if you you have a, a situation where you know, and of course you have varying degrees, things like manslaughter where that's, but versus like, I'm a serial killer. Like those are not the same thing in the eyes of the law. Okay. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All, all American law or wherever you're listening, your law is now abolished. What yes. changes in your life? In your life? Yeah. Like, like for me, or do, are we you, do, you, do you now do something? Yeah. Just, just for you specifically, do you now little, do something that you wouldn't have done yesterday yeah. before mostly, it went away? Mostly there are things that I would no longer do that relate to, like, I would not get a driver's license. I would sure. not get a pay to get a concealed carry license. Like, there are no. things that I would no longer do because... In a completely anarchist state, I would still believe that the church ought to exist... Right. And still being compassionate, still being loving, still having a standard of what sin is is and is not, even in a place that doesn't have any law whatsoever. Right. I my values should translate to a place that has laws that are counter to God's law and a place that runs congruent with it. Right. Shouldn't and matter. when they overlap, I think, oh, great. 
That's convenient. It's convenient for me. Because now I'm not getting thrown in prison for practicing my values. Right. This is good. Right. You know, that, but that's the only way in which it's good. Yeah. For me, like, as long as I'm not being penalized to go about the way I live my life right. according to the values that I have, as long as I'm not being penalized in any way, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm good with the laws of the land. That's right. why I could live in Canada up until the point that they told me I can't read certain passages of the Bible and teach on them in my church because right. it's discriminatory. Right. Oh, wait, uh, this is a problem for me because yeah. now you're penalizing me for just talking about what's in the Bible right. and discussing it out loud in the open. Right. You know? And and this gets into me, to me, this gets into the whole issue of, of uh, can you actually have law without a greater motivation is law in and of itself a means to creating civil society or do we have to admit that iner- inherently human nature has a a bent a desire a leaning towards a morality somewhere somewhere inside of us that that is just there that's innate to every human sure i mean everywhere that civilized society has existed there are laws right but but that's what i'm saying again the the argument being that you know, especially from like an atheist perspective of like, no, there is no God and you don't need God to have morality. I'm like, but it doesn't work. It doesn't, it, it breaks apart so fast because law in and of itself is not, has nothing to do with morality to equate law with morality. Yeah. That's a is, really is the, slippery is slope. The, is the fallacy of so many in the church who are outside of the church. And oddly enough, it's, there we go. it's the extremes yep. on both sides. It's the extremes of those who are, extremely fundamentalist religious who want to say that the law of the land should match exactly the law of the old Testament, the law of whatever, or it's the, the atheist who says there is no God, there is no standard of morality. And yet we must have laws to govern our behavior. They're oddly two sides of the same coin because either way you're making an argument for something without really acknowledging what you're what you're doing or why you're doing it. Yeah, that's back to our first example. That's what bugs me about the speed limit thing. You're arguing God's law from the basis of civil law. These are not the same thing. No. And they're totally separate. And your civil law could be whatever it is. I don't care what it is. It doesn't affect or change whatever right. God's law is. Right. Well, and not to mention the fact that the majority of what was in the Old Testament was civil law. Like, it yes. was a theocracy. God was at the peak of it. But it was civil law for the nation of Israel. Yeah. It was not just like, here is just standard morality for, and for the world. And he did it a lot of times to separate them from the right. people around them because right. he realized, or he knew ahead of time, that they they were going to have to run counter to the culture if this thing was right. going to succeed. And he wanted to show what a holy people look like, somebody that was called out right. separate and holy unto the Lord, what right. that looked like right. in in practice in the right. everyday. And they were to be an example and basically a testament, a gospel to the nations around them right. that, look, when you come out from among someone else, dedicate yourself to the Lord, right. you will be blessed. There's blessing. There's, you know, there's uh, protection. Yeah. There's 
he defends you, he fights for you, he does right. all these things for you. And that was that was the example. Yeah. But he was laying down those laws basically to separate them from the people right. around them, especially in the cultural sanitary, dietary, all of those kinds right. of things. And things that were extreme in culture that, that nobody else was doing. Yeah. I mean, circumcision was a complete unique thing at the time. And people are hard on the Old Testament and even parts of the New Testament for being hard on women yeah. and that type of thing. But compared to the laws of the people around them, both the Old Testament Jewish law and Jesus and his everyday practice were far more progressive yeah. in their treatment of women than any of the cultures around yeah. them. Yeah. And, well, and, and that's, that, that kind of opened my eyes yeah. um, rather than to, to, to the idea of like women in ministry and, and their capability right. of, of doing that type, type of work, you know, being in high ministry positions, there are still denominations where that's not recognized. Right. And I was like, Oh, I get it now. Like Jesus in what he was doing was showing the example early on like we are we are going to treat them equal no matter what. Yeah. You know, even though people look back and they're like, "Wow, that that culture was really terrible in their treatment of women." Yeah. Like his law was higher and different and it, the way it showed up was awesome. Right. Right. Cuz it was counter always, to the culture. Yeah, it wasn't law. always practiced perfectly, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um and again, I, I think that's where so many Christians get confused with the idea that law in and of itself is holy. Yeah. And, 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 and law makes you holy. But the Bible is so clear that <clears throat> the law was put in place not to make holy, but to expose sin, <laughs> to yeah. show it for what God's it was. God's law. Yeah, God's law. Yes. Let's be clear. <laughs> Let's be Because very some clear. people treat civil or like laws of the land as holy. Right. right. And that's what I'm like. This doesn't matter. You could legalize something stupid tomorrow. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm now allowed to do it as a Christian. Right, right. And again, so this idea that, that, that civil law and... I don't even like to say the law of God because that to me gets a little... Because the law of yeah. the Old Testament, I mean, everything that went on, everything in the Old Testament from, from Adam to, 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 the, to the last book of the Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus. Like that's all of that was, was yeah. what that was about <clears throat> and can only be seen through the context of Jesus. Like that's the only yeah. way it all makes sense. I was struggling with that too, as we were talking a little bit, yeah. I was trying to see how I wanted to frame it. Yeah. But, but. that's, and, and that's the thing. That's why there's a distinct moment where Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law. Like yeah. I'm going to complete everything that you've seen up to this point. I'm going to, I'm going to complete it and now we will move on. And yep. again, he didn't abolish it. He didn't say, no, this was irrelevant, or no, this never mattered, or no, you never needed to do these things. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing this. Fulfilling the requirements. Yes, the and law. we are now going to move on. Um, and, and, but there's, there's just that human propensity towards, you know, there's, there's a uniformity to law that we like. Yeah. We like the idea that everybody has to or everybody gets to or nobody gets to because, yes. again, it's, it's just that, that my, the weird human obsession with fairness that is just gross, yeah. uh, that I despise so I, much. I like that element of nobody gets to. Yeah. I think that's it more than anything. Yeah. Like, 
I, I don't feel the freedom to do this. Yeah. Nobody gets I mean, to. But we all, and that is so and we all cultish. Knew that. And we all knew that kid on the playground that was that kid. You know, you'd want to play soccer, and he didn't want to play soccer. And so he would grab the ball, and he would kick it out into the weeds where nobody could get to it. And like that mentality of, well, then nobody gets it. Like, everybody knew that kid yeah. that was just this, like, horrible little monster that you know is probably... I'm bad at basketball, so now all the basketballs are flat, and we yeah. can only play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's just some little gross gremlin in human nature yep. that gravitates towards that. And, and again, that's where... You know, law, that's why law in civil in the civil sense gets used to oppress so often. Very, very little do laws make us free versus oppressing. Yeah. Uh, there are exceptions to that. Um, that's why I was big. Uh, that's why I'm a big fan of the way the Constitution was written, because it was basically laws concerning what the government could and could not do. It's not laws about what Americans or people under the government could and could not do. It's like, here are the things we're allowed to do. These are the things that you are going to allow us to do, and, and that's that's it. And, of course, those things have been greatly expanded and abused and yeah. all of that stuff. That's why nobody in government wants to talk about the Constitution, because it's the one thing that holds them back it's from just... It's inconvenient. Yeah. It is very inconvenient. <laughs> Which is why we have entire departments stuffed into clauses. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've expanded the meaning so far. Yeah. No, I, I do think we've, we've kind of... At least kick the hornet's nest on this one as far as, like, um, exposing some of the stupid arguments that, that yeah. Christians make. I, I, do, I do just roll my eyes when I see people using civil law to, to somehow conflate to a relationship with God. Right. Or traditional law, something that can only be spoken to from tradition or your country club church rule of this is the way we understand it, so now you all have to be this way in order to relate to God. Right. Uh, no, I don't, unless I, unless that's specifically talked about in Scripture. We have right. some way that we can understand it. If Jesus did it, I'm good with it. Right. If he didn't do it, and I probably should not as well. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But, yeah, so... <laughs> anyway, I was just like, anytime you get the two twisted up, yeah, I'd like to keep them a lot more separate. I'd like the silly arguments yeah. of holding up one to beat the other. Yeah, to kind of you can't use God's law either to beat up civil law. Yeah, they're two separate things. Right? Do I want really, really good people making civil law? Yes, yes. I do. Absolutely. Can those people be Christians? Yeah, that would be even better. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because they have a set of values that that is similar I believe, to mine. I believe. I believe that law put in place by people who are actually moral will do the most to make people free. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean genuinely moral people, not people who, who want to force their, their morals or their standards or want everybody else to be as miserable as them. But I'm talking people who legitimately are, are actually moral in their own lives, moral in their own standing, moral in the sense that if law changed tomorrow, nothing would change for them. Yeah. Those are the kind of people I want making law because they're the ones who will look at it and say, does this make people more free or does this oppress them more? And, and will vote or write accordingly uh, and legislate accordingly. Um, and, and I, yeah. And that's why I struggle so much with how much politics has become tangled up with, with this weird form of celebrity and this weird form of just, I mean, just despicable people that, 
that run for office and that want to I mean you have to have something off in your head to want to be in Washington first of all if we're if we're talking United States well, or, or I you want to or be you in have Washington to, but I don't have a way to get there right or you or you are looking at it as I think I might be able to help with yeah the cesspit that is Washington but I, yeah I want very moral people putting law in place. I don't yeah. want somebody who's just, you know, checking the wind of society or seeing which way culture is ebbing and flowing this particular day. Like I want I want hardcore moralists that are there doing that. But I don't want those morals to always dictate what law is going to be. I want that to <laughs> inform their decision making process, but I don't want that to be the layover yeah. for what law is going to be. Gotcha. Um, and again we've talked about this. Like I, I have political beliefs that that would equate with allowing sin. Oh, yeah. But I believe that because there is a difference between civil law and someone who's a follower of Christ, I don't yeah, think that civil law should branch the into whole, these things. That's the whole, if I don't get to do it, in my code of values, yeah. no one should be allowed to do it. Right. Uh, no, actually, they're they're allowed to do that. Right. And it's just, you know. Right. And, and again, maybe there's someday so, though. Yeah, and there are so many instances in, in, in biblical... Uh, in biblical times and biblical reference where it basically says, you know, they people will suffer the consequences of the things they do, but not because somebody's coming along and... I mean, if anything, the Bible talks about how successful and wealthy and happy and everybody who's sinning looks, you know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Most of the Psalms are, you know, why why do these people get to look so great and have so much great, so many great things when they're living so against what your law says or what you what you want? It's like, you know that 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 justifi- justification for your for your stance or for your yeah. calling may not come in this lifetime, and it it but it's short lived if it's here. You know if you're if you're successful and and having all of those things going on, like that's it. Once you're done, you're done, and it doesn't it doesn't save you. It doesn't transform you. It just gives you that fleeting enjoyment or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, the Psalms are all about that. How the wicked prosper and how 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 they they basically they their lives are awesome. Um, I've often wondered how all these internal Christian arguments and these silly debates that we have look to people that are not Christians or in no way ascribe to God. I, yeah, I think so much of it is is they look at it as someone who is trying to oppress them. More than anything else, I think that's what it gets looked at as, is these these people who are trying to ruin everyone's fun and trying to ruin my life or destroy my life or destroy the life of someone who I love who is doing a thing they don't like. Yeah. I, I think that's why you get so much animosity towards Christians as it relates to civil law and as it relates to any involvement with civil law. Um, because there's just this this innate idea for whatever reason that you're going to try to oppress me somehow. You're going to try to destroy my life somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not, doesn't have a whole lot of backing in, in U.S. history when you really get down to it. Uh, you, can, you can talk yourself into that yeah. uh, based on some things. Uh, but again, as society has moved, so the nation's laws have moved. And uh, you know, society as a whole, not just in the United States, but in the world, was very, very different when certain laws were in place. Even looking at slavery, you know, that, was, that was not like this magical thing that only occurred in the United States. That was vastly common throughout the world. In That's every, a good on example every of something being legal that was totally counter that to was, God's that law. That was never moral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
totally. And again, so yeah, so standing up against that, even though it would be illegal right. to free a slave, right, you or know, to help a slave or escape, or to do to, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you be sinning? Yeah, was no. that sinful for the abolitionist movement and for the Underground Railroad to do the things that they did? Absolutely not. No. Was it sinning for Martin Luther King to practice uh, peaceful civil disobedience and and boycott? Nope. No, it wasn't, even though he was rejecting the law of, of the land at the time, and not even federal law, but, I mean, state laws as well. Um, but some things are not just. Just because it's a law does not mean it's just. Yeah. And... Uh, and there is a higher moral standard to not comply to a just, an unjust law, but to say, no, I, I serve a higher morality, and this is not part of that. Yep. But, yeah, it does get complicated, uh, and yet not. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not complicated to my mind. It's, it's simple in the, in the sense that... The two things are separate. They are separate. That, that part of it is the simple part. Yep. What you do with it and how you relate to it, because they are separate. That yeah. is the complicated And we part. might not interact with that whole relationship the way some people do. Right. And that's fine. If your interaction with it's a little bit different, that's fine. Yeah. But I think we should continue to not look silly and keep yes. the arguments about what's sin and what's not yeah. separate from <laughs> yeah, civil please, law. There are two things that are very important to me, okay? If you're listening to this, if you're in earshot, there are two things that are very important as a Christian that I would like to see fellow Christians never, ever, ever do again. The first one is saying that something should be legal because the Bible says so, or should be illegal because the Bible says so. That is not a good argument. That is not a well-thought-out argument. That is a lazy argument. Don't, no. don't tell me that. Don't use that as an argument. And... The second thing is don't make the argument that people who are not claiming Jesus, who do not claim to be followers of Christ, need to follow biblical mandates. Yeah. Because they don't. That's the whole thing. Being in the world and of the world is being in, and of, in the world and of the world. You, you are still going to be accountable to the standards and the holiness of God, but you do not have to obey them. We don't have to obey them. We have chosen to sacrifice our own will because we see that the way of Christ is better and that he is better. Yeah. And we say, this is worth giving up some of the freedom that I have in order to be submit, submitted to Christ. Yeah. And, and trying to tell somebody who has no relationship with Jesus that they need to submit to Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And, and it makes are, you look what stupid. The, what it are makes the you tools look stupid. in your toolbox when you're telling someone that? You can't punish them. No. You can't make them do it. Yeah. And at best, and, on, and and the only tool that people have been able to employ is the tool of the government. And what are their tools? Punishment, right? And death, right? Those are their two tools. They right. can throw you in jail, they can fine you, or they can imprison you. Right. That's it. Right. So yeah, if if my my fellow Christians there, please stop making those two arguments because <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, you're you're misrepresenting who Jesus is, what he would have done by doing those two things. Yeah. Um, is it wrong for you to have standards because of what you're reading biblically? No. Is it wrong for you to believe that things are sinful based on what you're seeing in the Bible and based on conviction from the Holy Spirit? No. Is that for every other Christian? Not always. Is that for the world? No. 
And I, I even like to break it down further. Those two are two separate tracks. Yeah, keep them separate. Yeah. But then even when you get on to the side of like uh, Christian values and that type yeah. of thing, I'd like to split it down a little further and say, uh, okay, that's your traditional. Yeah. That's, your, that's coming from the argument of tradition. Right. Like if we're going to talk about just Christian behavior and we're not even talking about civil law and we've separated that out all fine, let's also separate out, okay, this, this is an actual Christian mandate that Christians should follow. Right. And this is actually a law to be in your room of the Christian house. Right. Like C.S. Lewis does a great job describing denominations as rooms in a house. Right. Okay, there are rules that govern the, govern the whole house. Right. And then there are rules for your, that you've come up for your, with for your room. Right. And as long as I can look at you and say, okay, that's fine for you, but you need to recognize that other Christians are just fine and they don't practice whatever you're, you're telling right. me right now. That's a rule for your room. Right. And like, I understand I would have to obey it to be in your room. Right. But you cannot run around and telling all the other rooms that they're going to hell. Right. <laughs> right. Because there are certain rules that govern the whole house. Well, but and, and if not it's only not that, one of those... Additional to that, like, for example... Like, I have an expectation of my children's behavior. They're very young right sure. now, but especially strong, my oldest. I have an expectation of how he's going to behave. Yep. And that applies whether he's in our house or not. Sure. Because, again, still, it is representation of what our home is and who, are, who we are. Yep. You know, going back to that whole thing, my dad always said, this is what we do. This is yes. who we are. This is what we do. Um, so he can go to a friend's house where that friend is allowed to mouth off to his parent. My son is still going to respect that kid's parents, regardless he of should. what he's yep. allowed to do in the home. Like, that is my expectation. And if I hear differently, we're going to have a conversation about that. Um, and that goes the same for my house. The rules of the house don't change just because you're in somebody else's house. Sure. You know, if they have harder rules, I expect you to respect those rules and to abide by those rules while you're in that house. So, again, it's even in that denominational sense, I agree with you, but... It can't always just even be, okay, I'm in this house, so I'm going to follow these rules, especially if they're more loose than the rules that you have in your house. Like, yeah. whatever house you are of, whatever you are raised of, whatever you have aligned yourself with, that is that should be your practice wherever you go. Yep. Because that's that's who you have chosen to be. That's who you've chosen to be a part of. Yeah. And again, that gets into all kinds of other uh, Yeah, just because your denomination allows it might not even make it. Yeah. Uh, that's not yeah. that's not a good mode of doing anything. And, and the same thing. That's why I want those two separated right. out. Like I want to separate out too your Christian behavior and what your denomination says will and will not save you because right. there is something that your denomination that you've particularly chosen today allows that God may be saying is wrong for you and vice versa. You know. Yeah. Or, or well, and again, and again, getting into that whole argument of moral or not moral, like I'm not going to go to Amsterdam because everything in the world is legal there and do all of the things. That yeah. will not change what I do or don't do. I would continue being me yeah. just in Amsterdam. I might be very horrified to be there <laughs> in many senses. But nothing I, but, would be interesting. But nothing, nothing changes. Yeah. Nothing changes whether it's legal or not because, again, there is that higher standard. There is that higher, higher calling than... And again, even even following Jesus is is a higher calling than the law of Moses. You know, I remember hearing Stephen Manley talking about one time when we uh, when when we had him to for for doing some some teaching, Doctor Doctor Stephen Manley, and he was talking about how he horrified a whole room because he told them we don't need the Ten Commandments anymore, 
And he said, you could just hear, like, all these people, oh, he's going to preach heresy. He's like, well, no. He's like, why do I need the Ten Commandments? He said, in the Ten Commandments, I'm told that I'm, I'm not to covet my neighbor's wife. I'm not to, I'm not to, he's like, but Jesus tells me I can't even lust after a woman. I shouldn't even lust after a woman at all, period. Not just my neighbor's wife, but no, yeah. not even lust in my heart. You know, in the Ten Commandments, we're told, do not murder. Well, by Jesus, I'm told, I'm not even allowed to hate. So yep. why would I murder if I don't hate? He's like, so we're called to something higher than even what we consider the basic. And I do think it's interesting because so much of what American civil law is based out of could be traced back to the Ten Commandments themselves, which, again, yep. were not law for, for Christ followers even because Christ following wasn't a thing yet. That was a whole this – is, this is laws to govern a – horrible element because that's what humanity was at that yep. point. It was, it was a fairly hopeless dark thing and, uh, and to redirect. Uh, but again, with Christ, it's about heart transformation, not about behavior modification. And that, that is the difference between the Old Testament law and the New Testament covenant. And that is the difference between civil law and, and morality. You know, civil law is, is, is attempt at behavior modification based on shame and punishment versus morality is yeah. based on Convi- internal convictions that go far beyond the idea of shame or punishment, long beyond it. Did we run over time? We actually went over time, which is funny because I didn't think we were going to on this one. Oh, I, I figured we would. We always go over time. It was time. whichever bunny trail we yeah. randomly took. Yeah. So, But we should cut it off. We're, we're yeah. late. We're, and we're both tired. Yeah. And I have a bunch of things to clear out of my house because we're refinishing our floors. So I need to go do that. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, for an action step this week, um, trying to think now what that would be. Tell somebody about the things we say. Get yeah. them to subscribe to our podcast because the best advertisement that we can possibly have is you telling somebody that you enjoy the show. By word of mouth. And, yeah. and, and have them listen. And again, the, the my biggest motivation for getting people to listen... Here, here it is. Go ahead. Here it is. Show someone. Show them. How to do this. Because yes. a lot of people that you're telling about podcasts, they won't know where to find it. Yep. Don't they know what to do with it. pull it up. Yeah. Just show them where to find the things Especially the poor people who are not on Apple products and don't have easy access to yeah. the things. Dude, you have to somehow find the play music yes. app on your Google phone and it's buried in there and yes. podcast somewhere. Yes. But anyway, do that. Spread it around a little bit. See if you can get some other listeners. And the biggest reason we want that is because I want more interaction with you guys. Yeah. And, and the, the more of you there are, the more likely that's going to the, happen. The easy way for other people that have Android, download SoundCloud, download Stitcher, yep. something like that. That's yep. a dedicated app. That's and right. you can do that a lot easier yeah. probably than the native Google stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, but as always, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, thanks for letting us take a chunk of time from you. And uh, hope you enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.